from The Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we have Dr. Chris Bergold with us the entire time. Uh, Stay with us, folks. (laughs) It's going to be a long episode. No, no, it's going to be a great episode. We are going to talk about... um, uh, something we've heard often with the church is full of sinners. How is the church holy? If it's full of sinners. So we're going to talk about that a bit. First, we're going to have some biblical bites with Dr. B. Yes, we are. So, yeah. um, I should, it's hot in the studio. So I think before, before, uh, <laughs> no, it's not, it's cold in here. It's hot in here. So I think before, uh, we do the next interview, I'm going to change, change into a short sleeve shirt, just so you know. Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> That is true. Yes, <laughs> I know it's true. That's what I'm going to do. Hey, so, it's white, it's and I'm going to change what? clothes entirely. Because <laughs> you're so sweaty that you uh, right. I'll just sit here. Bill <laughs> <laughs> so, will wait. What's today, Renee? Today is the seventh Sunday of Easter, aka Ascension Sunday. Yeah, not, and not for everywhere, right? Right. Because right. within our, I think even Bill's living memory, um, Ascension is traditionally celebrated Thursday. Yeah. Thursday the the Three days ago, Thursday, yeah. Friday, whatever it is, uh, forty days after Easter mm-hmm. is when Jesus ascended. However, yeah. uh, a, couple, a few dioceses, Omaha is one. Omaha is one of them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But a few decades ago, again, I think thirty-ish years, sometime less thirty, forty years, uh, definitely less forty years. Most di- most regions in the country, mm-hmm. including the region that we're in, Minnesota and the Dakotas, um, transferred uh, the the observation of the ascension. To, to the Sunday. seventh Sunday of yeah. Do you know why? Out of curiosity, no, I would like to know because a lot of a lot of times people complain. Well, well, I and I, <laughs> I, mean, I kind of, I mean, I, I, I understand why people yeah. complain. So why? Why did they do it? It's because so. Wait, wait, Bill, do you know why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know. Bill's like, no. Do you have any idea? <laughs> the why? answer's got to be in one of those it's three not, books he's got yeah. over there. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, just so, that, so the the challenge always with a holy day of obligation that does not fall um, on a Sunday is participation of the people. So they really did it for that reason. So that uh, more people will be able to observe. Okay. And, and and the added difficulty of the extra masses and so on. Right. But it really is. That is true. It is. It is those two things. Yeah. Greater participation and the logistical challenge of more masses. I right. mean, very very pra- people are like. Well, there's no theological reason. No, it's very practical <laughs> and pragmatic. And sometimes the church will do that. You know, now we can we can um, respectfully and charitably like, oh, I wish. And I, yeah. I, I personally wish we would go back. Right. But but when you're a rural priest who has three or four parishes, exactly. how do you do that in one Correct. day? Correct. Exactly. It's yeah. a challenge. Yeah. There's other solutions that we could talk about, but that's not the point. Right. So Moving what exactly? <laughs> what exactly are we celebrating on Ascension, whether it's Thursday or Sunday or whenever it is? What are we celebrating? Well, this seems obvious, so I'm afraid there's a trick question. Go with the obvious. So uh, when Jesus ascends into heaven. Right. Uh Ascends where? Into heaven. Where's that? Where did he he go? Up. Up. (laughs) I don't know, Bill. Up and away. Where did he go? what ascension usually means. (laughs) Yeah. Up, Up, I guess. So where is he? Well, he's at the right hand of God, right. wherever yeah. that is. Where? <laughs> where? So this is where we're going to turn to um, the thoughts of what easily one of the most brilliant theologians of the last century. Mm-hmm. And, and to be clear, guys, I don't mean me. 
I'm sure you were thinking. I was. I was what, honestly what Dr. thinking Dr. Birdwald was definitely. <laughs> no, no, uh, definitely not. No, that's Pope Benedict, uh, a.k.a. Joseph Ratzinger, yep. um, from his the second volume of his work on Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, on Holy Week to the Resurrection. And actually, he, he has a section. It's the epilogue on the Ascension. Okay. And, and he makes this, this fascinating, compelling point. And we've got like two and a half minutes to talk about okay, this. Go fast. <laughs> so Luke's Gospel. At the end of Luke's Gospel. Um, Jesus sends and, and what do you think, how, how, what's the apostles response as they go back into the city of Jerusalem after Jesus? They're probably also wondering where he went exactly. So this is the the, Pope Benedict makes this point. So we get, we quote first, then he led them out as far as Bethany. So outside of Jerusalem and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. When he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and we're continually in the temple blessing God. He leaves and they're, they're full of joy. Mm-hmm. Now he goes on to make the point. Um, uh, he talks, this conclusion surprises us. Luke says the disciples were full of joy at the Lord's definitive departure. So he's going and he's not coming back until the end of time. Right. When the heck they're, ever that's. So they're probably be. not going to see him again. So they're probably not <laughs> going to, but they're full of joy. Right. So, what is going on with that? Um, the joy of the disciples, Pope Benedict goes on, the joy of the disciples after the ascension corrects our image of this event. Ascension does not mean departure into a remote region of the cosmos, but rather the continuing closeness that the disciples experience so strongly that it becomes a source of lasting joy. Hmm. So I just want to think and talk a little bit about that. Um when we, where, where did I said, so with the ascension, yeah. the obvious, he ascended into heaven. Where's that? Right. Right hand of the father. Where's that? I don't know. <laughs> oh. It's not out beyond Pluto. Okay. Right. He's, he's not still going 2000 okay. years later. I don't know. Still I, don't know up. The, I don't know what the departure velocity was. Maybe he's, I don't know, but he's not, he's here. Right. At the end of Matthew's gospel, go make disciples, baptizing, teaching, and lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. Jesus had to ascend into the heavenly realm, whatever that means, so he could be near to you mm-hmm. and to me today. So in the ascension, we're not celebrating. He's, oh, bye, see you up there. Yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah. He's here with me and you right now. That's the ascension. That's a great point. Thanks, Dr. B, for that. You bet. All right, in the studio with me today, back in the studio with me today. <laughs> Still in the studio. Still in the studio with me today is Dr. Chris Bergwald. Um, he is, we are going to talk today about something I hear often, uh, often enough, at least, that the church is full of sinners, so the church must not be holy. Mm. And every time I hear that, I'm like, Oh no, no, don't say that. That's not true. <laughs> what? It hurts my heart. What? When say I hear more about that. Actually, that. Before we, I know. Uh, this is, this is going to be an interesting show today because, <laughs> because we're a little, we're, we're not unprepared, but this is a little bit more like, um, uh, Chris Bergwald's show Ignition, where he's probably maybe a little bit more in control than I am uh, because he's, we're going to kind of just go back and forth. Yeah, One finally. show at a time. <laughs> I'm assimilating them all. Um, I'll leave lead them for life for the last okay, to, to life okay. for the last one. So why do you why do you respond that way, Renee? When you hear that, I'm I'm guessing you're being a little bit hyperbolic there. Like, oh yeah, Ooh. sure. But it does it does. I always cringe a little bit when I hear that because 
um, that's a that's a big misunderstanding, and I think it pulls people away from the church. Why? Why do you think that? Because they they think, why should I go to a church with all these people that can't possibly be holy, so mm. I it can't get anything out of it. Okay, it must not okay. be the right church. And on the other hand, what? On the other hand, that what is the real thing? Yeah. Well, see now you're gonna we're giving away all the stuff. Okay. Well, well we, this is like <laughs> so. We're, we're giving you but like, you're, the, you're the guest. Yes, he is already turning okay. around. All right, go on ahead. Me. Go ahead. You're, you're, all right. I'll give you the reins back. Yes. It's okay. Renee, take the wheel as the song goes, I think. All right. So, so we want to talk about that issue a little bit. And Bill is laughing hysterically. You know, over you got here. the song reference. Jesus, take anyway. Oh, well, I, I got it too. Okay. I just blew past it. Yes. Okay. So, this is a question I want to address because. I think it is a big misunderstanding and I, and I want to try to, I'm sure there's lots of people who've tried to answer this question and people don't hear it, but we're going to do what we can here for the people who are listening. So Chris, can you, you tell me why that isn't right. (laughs) Guess. Okay. So (laughs) guess on my show in the creed, we talk about the four, so the Nicene Creed that we recite every Sunday, mm-hmm. which which the church has been praying since 325 AD. Right. So we're coming up on the oh, 1800th anniversary I'm glad of, you did that, of the Nicene Creed <laughs> um, from the Council of Nicaea, the first major ecumenical council gathering right. of bishops around the world. 325 Nicaea, modern day Turkey, 1800 years ago, almost. The church is four things the Nicene Creed articulates. And actually, technically, this came... Anyway, I'm not going to get into the minutiae. 381, <laughs> more precisely. But four marks of the church, mm-hmm. Renee, what are they? They are one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Right. And so it's the second one that concerns us today. Did you see me move my fingers you doing that? <laughs> um, the church is holy. Mm-hmm. The church has been saying about herself for almost 800 years. Uh, and yet we look, we look around, we look in the mirror, mm-hmm. uh, we they must our, be talking about somebody yep, else. We see bishops, popes, <laughs> right. priests, lay people. Yes. Doing I mean, crazy things. Plenty that... of people. So yeah, this is, and this is one of the arguments made against, well, not just the Catholic church, but frankly, Christianity Re- in general, but right. Cer- right, right. But it's, but I think it's particularly against Catholic church because she says she's one holy Catholic mm-hmm. and apostolic. Oh, really? You think you're pretty? Well, I know Catholics. And, <laughs> right. Um, I and do even too. Catholics say that. Right. <laughs> yes. So how, so, so yeah, that's the, how do we reconcile the reality of sinners in the church with what the church says about mm-hmm. herself? Mm-hmm. Fortunately. <laughs> oh, Yes. The, the, the catechism is, will help us. The, the church has sort of <laughs> anticipated this. Mm-hmm. So it's important to think about like the church didn't sit back in three twenty in the fourth century and be like, you know, what should we say about ourselves? <laughs> well, we could think let's yeah. Holy. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, this is the church professing the faith that God has revealed. So it's right. really important to keep that in mind. What we're talking about here is what the church has, has always believed about herself, just sort of capsulized, encapsulated, thank you, capsized, no, 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 no. <laughs> encapsulated, synthesized, that's there the eyes that yeah. I was going for, synthesized in the Nicene Creed. So one holy Catholic apostolic, how do we make sense of that? Well, again, catechism, this is, um, so uh, Renee, uh, per, you're, I'm going to look for your professional opinion here. So we're going to, 
I want to read from paragraph 827 of the Catechism. It's longish, so my intention here is to read it and go back and explain. But if you want to cut me off at any point, again, this is your show, not mine. It's my show, clearly. So if you want to cut me off at any point uh, and 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 uh, before I get through the first read, okay, that's totally up to you. Okay. So we start with a quote actually from the Second Vatican Council, which, which reads this way: Christ, holy, innocent, and undefiled knew nothing of sin, but came only to expiate the sins of the people. The church, however, clasping sinners to her bosom, at once holy and always in need of purification, follows constantly the path of penance and renewal. So that's Vatican II. Now the Catechism goes on. All members of the church, including her ministers, must acknowledge that they are sinners. In everyone... The weeds of sin will still be mixed with the good wheat of the gospel until the end of time. Hence, the church gathers sinners already caught up in Christ's salvation, but still on the way to holiness. And then we get a longish quote from St. Pope Paul VI. The church is therefore holy, though having sinners in her midst, because she herself has no other life but the life of grace. If they live her life, her members are sanctified. If they move away from her life, they fall into sins and disorders that prevent the radiation of her sanctity. This is why she suffers and does penance for these offen- those offenses of which she has the power to free her children through the blood of Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, okay, I love, I love that so quote. So were you following along? Yeah, well, okay. I have um, that quote, or from at least Vatican part II? of it. Um, the, did you say it's, yeah, from Vatican II. Okay. That end part. And I think it's really interesting talking about that. Um, if you, how did I say that? If you don't follow the church, or if you, how did that say that? Help me. <laughs> the end part. Because she herself has no other life but the life of grace. Oh, yeah. That's, that's In they, if if, if they, they live her life, her members are sanctified. So Keep yes. going. Keep, keep. And if they move away from her life, they fall into sins and disorders that prevent the radiation of her sanctity. Yes. Like to me, that really um, should spell it out. It should make it very evident that right. if we stay close to the church as possibly as, as close as we can and be as holy as we can, then we will have that holy life. Right. The, the more we move away, the more we move towards sin. Right. So, so what we're talking about the, the two aspects sort of, of the church here. Um, so the church is holy in, in that it's, it's all about, as Paul, the six says, uh, she herself has no other life, but the life of grace. So, um, scripture, the teachings, all the teachings that found in scripture found in the tradition synthesized in the catechism. Um, the life of grace given, sanctifying grace, actual grace that's given through the sacraments, mm-hmm. um, all the prayers that are offered. That's that's the life of holiness, the life of grace. That's why we say the church is holy. On the other hand, the church is composed, the members of the church, mm-hmm. um, except for at least, we only know of two for sure, Jesus, Jesus. and his Mary. mother, Mary. <laughs> um, the rest of us are sinners. Mm-hmm. So in in that sense, because we are uh, together, the body of Christ, we, we, are, we constitute um, the body of the church, if you will. We are the family of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're sinners. We're imperfect. That's why we can say the church is, is also holy, but also sinful. So going back to the, the Vatican II quote, the church is at once holy and always in need of purification. 
and therefore follows constantly the path of penance and renewal. So she is holy, but she's also in need of purification. Holy because the life of grace, purification because the life of the sinners who belong to her. Right. So, okay, so can we talk a little bit about first, one of the big things that makes the church holy is that Christ established the right. church. Yes. I think that's kind of a good place to kind of start with people maybe that if Jesus uh, instituted the church, he is without sin. So he's not going to establish a church that is well, not holy. Actually, I, do you... Uh, w- w- Am I explaining that right? No, you, yeah, you're explaining that right, but I guess is... Um, that would work for religious people. Yeah, probably. And, and, and what what question? I guess what question is that answer for them? Um, why the church is holy? Why we can claim that she's holy? One okay. of the reasons. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say because it comes from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's another way of saying yeah. that. That man did create it. Come from right. right. Yes, yes. Not yeah. man made. Right. Yep. That's right. As as some uh, religions are it's, more man made. Right. Right. There's obviously. actually at at the, at the at um in Rome uh, at St. Peter's. There's actually a little plaque. Um, it doesn't say made in USA. Made, it says made in heaven. Does it Actually, really? It says made in. It does, um, it does made not. In, made it has a little sticker on the bottom. Land. Made in is made is made in Israel. No, no, it doesn't say that. But it's that's right. I mean, yeah, it's 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 not man made. Right, right. That's made by God, and He gives it that that infusion, if you will, of holiness right from the first moment of its existence. Right. And even as we come into it as sinners. We don't pollute, if that, you yeah. will. That was another question I was going to ask you. Yeah, we don't pollute this, the holiness of the church. Yeah. Holiness is stronger than sin. Right. Right? It's like um, light overcomes darkness. Holiness overcomes sin. Right. Um, and when talking about, yeah. So uh, even if, even if let's say let's say we have a, there have been some really bad popes sure. over the, the centuries. Yeah. Let's say you have a really bad pope and he uh, is really trying to like change major dogma or something. Even if he's trying to do that, that doesn't change the holiness of the church. Even if he succeeded in doing right. it, and the I mean, church still exists. Right, it's, and I would say, I mean, that, that's getting. I think that, like, trying to change dogma would be more getting into like the truth of the church's right. teachings. Um, the whole. I mean, we have had, we've had popes who have fought, have fathered children. Right. Who have elevated nephews who actually may have been their children to high posts within the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we've had popes. I don't know if we've had a pope who's been like as as going to the point of being like a murderer, right. like killing people. Right. But we've had popes do commit horrible mm-hmm. sins. Right. We know from the scandals, the abuse scandals of the last that have came to light in the last twenty years, mm-hmm. but have been have longer histories than that. We know that there have been high level churchmen who have done atrocious things. Uh, so that, that reality is there. But again, that there, those sins and even my smaller sins don't pollute the holiness of the church. Right. In other words, the grace of the sacrament is still given. It can even be given. I mean, I give this example, but he's no longer Cardinal McCarrick. He's been defrocked. Right. But back when the, that, his, that scandal was unfolding um, almost three years ago, I said, if I received communion or even absolute, if I went to confession with then Cardinal McCarrick, my sins would be absolved if I went to confession with him. Yes. Um, if if he said mass and I went, it would be a valid mass right. and I would receive Jesus Christ because the holiness of the sacraments has nothing to do with the holiness of the minister. Right. And similarly, in the church in general, the holiness of the church has nothing to do with the holiness of her leaders. Right. It's because of the holiness of her head, the, her the leader with a capital L, Jesus Christ. Right. 
Right. Her groom. As exactly. Like to say, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's really important to for people to to remember is um, all of all of our priests as they're saying mass as they're doing you know the sacraments uh, doing right, <laughs> as right. they're um, conferring the sacraments, sacraments. The, administrating the sacraments. Yeah, they're all sinners. Yep. Um, the degree of sin does not invalidate nope. the sacrament. Nope. Ever. Yep. Exactly. And I think there. So going back to your example of maybe a pope trying to change dogma. Um, so maybe that was a bad example. Well, but, yeah. but there's a parallel there. So the, the the teachings of the church are true, not because of the brilliance of her leaders, mm-hmm. but because of the promise of Jesus Christ, right. that he will send the Holy Spirit and he will lead the church in right. all truth. The holy it's so that the truth of the teachings is because of the guarantee of God. Right. Similarly, the holiness of the church is because of the guarantee of God, not because of the holiness of her leaders or members. Right. Okay. So how do we <clears throat> If you have someone who's really having trouble with that, how would you, I mean, would you explain it to them that way? How would you approach someone? Because um, let's just say, for instance, this is something that I've that I've experienced in the last year. Um, of course, uh, all of the, <laughs> this is anybody who sends an email through our website, sure. it comes to me. Yep. <laughs> and then I parse them out to whoever, whoever needs to deal with the email. Um, if someone sends me an email that says, you know, how can you say this, blah, 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 you're sinners, the church can't possibly be hurt. How do you respond to that? Is there a way to do it? I'm kind of putting you on the spot because we didn't well, really. Yeah. I I don't know if there is a way. I go back to, you know, uh, not man-made, I guess your point. I mean, the, the, the church is not simply a group of people who have come together. Right. The church was created by God and he called us into her. The, the word church, the Greek word ecclesia mm-hmm. means to call out and it's assembly. It's a convocation, a group of people who are convoked uh, vocare to be called, called together. So I think, I think part of the problem is here is when, especially as Americans, we have just to get a little bit briefly technical, more of a congregationalist ecclesiology oh, okay. where congregationalist ecclesiology, we think of the church from a bottom up mentality right. where, Oh, church is just when um, Christians, Catholics, whatever um, it's when they gather together. Right. Well, that's true, but that there's, there's more, actually there's a greater truth. The church actually is created by God and he calls us together. Right. So it might look uh, uh, from the outside, like, or in a superficial way where we just sort of, you know, when I go to church, it's me walking, driving to church or whatever. Well, yeah, but actually what's really happening, the deeper truth is I'm responding to a call that God has made for me. I, I'm not about voices that right, I've heard. Right. It's, it's that he is, he's drawing me to himself. Mm-hmm. He's calling us to himself, drawing us to himself. Um, so I think that's part of the problem is we look at it from that more obvious superficial sense and think, well, they're sinners. Like what, what they're doing is anything special. Well, actually, but this is just looking at scripture. Um, what actually is happening is here and the history of the church. God is calling this together. The other thing too, I got to make, I got to make sure and get this in. I'm, okay. Good. I'm, I'm, I hope, I hope we've talked about this before, but maybe not. There's a wonderful story. It's maybe legendary, but it, the, the moral of the tale is nonetheless true. Mm-hmm. So Napoleon um, Napoleon, this is the, his, historically, um, sacked or took Rome, conquered Rome, mm-hmm. kidnapped the Pope. I don't oh. remember the Pope at the time. Yeah, he, okay. he, and, he, and he took him out of Rome. And the story goes that Napoleon said to the Pope, uh, Your Holiness, I'm going to destroy the Catholic Church. And uh, the story goes that the Pope's response was, 
Um, Good luck, short man. <laughs> <laughs> Little man. Uh, uh, Your Excellency, we popes, cardinals, and bishops have been trying to do that for 18 centuries. We failed. What well, makes you think that you can that you can succeed? That's a very true statement. Another story about a man who thought about become uh, who was not Christian, thinking about becoming Christian. This is the Middle Ages. Said, "I got to go to Rome," and his friends were like, or early medieval period, "Don't do that." Like the, this is when the Rome is really corrupt. Well, the guy goes, and and he, when he eventually comes back, he's like, "Well, I'm I'm, I'm Catholic. I became a Christian." Didn't you see what was going on there? Well, yes, but I concluded if any organization is run with this poor of leadership and it survived for 1,200 years, it must be divinely inspired, guided, and made. So I think those stories get at the reality. Uh, Just look at the history of the church. Yeah, there have been awful popes, and yet somehow this quote-unquote rickety house has endured for now almost 21, uh, 2,000 years. Yeah. The good thing is that rickety house was built on the keystone. Exactly. The, the cornerstone. Yes. So, yes. Uh, so as, as shaky us. it looks sometimes, <laughs> it's got a solid foundation, yeah. man. So how do, um, I also saw something that um, one way you can tell that the church is holy is because of the saints. Right. So, but they're people who also were sinners. So Sure. Sure. But, but you see, I think, but the sort of objection that, that you talk about that you've heard, mm-hmm. uh, people aren't complaining about Saints. mother Teresa's, you know, <laughs> sinfulness, right? It's, no. it's, it's, it's the Cardinal McCarrick. Yes. Well, and even thing. just, just regular people, they see, yeah, you know, hypocrite being yes. living hypocritically yeah. and yeah, yeah, that's absolutely, I don't think they're complaining because mother <laughs> Teresa is really, oh, well, I know, I know that she, you know, did something wrong. Well, yeah, she's a sinner. Right. Right. Um, and then another one that I saw was that the Holy Spirit dwells in the church, which yep. Pentecost is coming up. Right. When, yes, so, is. I mean, that really is very true that we, we aren't left alone, that the Holy Spirit is in the church and makes her, is part of what makes her holy. Well, is what makes yeah. her holy. So it's because it was established by Jesus, but he didn't like, so the, our, our, the house metaphor, mm-hmm. it's not like he built it and walked away. Right. He sort of, I don't know, I don't know what the, how to bring the to continue the metaphor, but basically the Holy Spirit is still holding this sometimes rickety shack together. Right. right. Like the Holy Spirit is the nails or okay. the whatever. Yeah. The glue. The, the glue. The glued house. <laughs> sure. So it's super glue, man. It's spirit glue. It's, it's staying glue. together. Like so it. he is, the Holy Spirit continues to animate the church, to give life, divine life to the church. Even once Jesus established but established it, Establish the church. Uh, the Holy Spirit has always been ensuring that she remains ever holy in the sense that we've been talking. Right, right. Well, I hope that that is helpful. That that helped me. I mean, when I read all this stuff, I've never really felt that way that that sinners make the church not holy. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I hope that helps some people. Yeah, and if uh, you can, if the catechism um, paragraphs eight twenty three and following is the teaching mm-hmm. on the holiness of the church, might be a good place to look if you want to read more. Yeah. I read eight twenty seven, but there's a few more paragraphs yeah, too. That's a great idea. All right, thanks for being with us today, Doctor B. Happy to be always, here. Always good to have you as our guest and not just as biblical bites. Guru. Thanks, Renee. Thanks. <laughs> All right, uh, next week I am hoping to have some priest somewhere in the diocese <laughs> here with me to talk about Pentecost. Um, that's the plan anyway. So we'll see if that holds. Uh, if you are not following us on social media, you can find us at Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube at SF Diocese. Um, and if you uh, enjoy listening to podcasts, you can find Catholic Views, Ignition, Lead Them to Life, and possibly Faith and Politics. Yes, Faith and Politics 
uh, on different uh, podcast channels. Just search for us, see what you can find. Uh, That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.